Hi, welcome to the Wellness Doctors Podcast with Dr. Lorena and Dr. Vanessa. We are both medical doctors who talk about how to optimize health and well-being so that you can be empowered to make better healthy choices, enrich the lives of people around you and join us in the evolution of healthcare. Hi everybody, um, the Wellness Doctors Podcast and it's Dr. Lorena today here with you and I have a very special guest um, her name is Siobhan Barnes, and um, I've known Siobhan for more than 10 years. Um, <laughs> we actually both uh, met through a mutual friend, and um, I was actually at, uh, she was in a different career to what she is now, and I'm actually really delighted to invite her onto this podcast because um, I think one of the things that I really like to help um, are women uh, in terms of health. But then I also see a lot of women who are very um, professional in their career. They've done a lot in, in terms of uh, their path. And, you know, a lot of women have achieved a lot of different things. And I feel that Siobhan's one of those women um, that I actually really admire um, because she's had the courage to make some changes in her life. And now she's helping other women do the same. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lorena, for having me. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> So I actually want to um, ask you to sort of talk a little bit about yourself and what you were doing before your online uh, or, or on your current executive coaching business. You were quite different in your career. You were in the finance industry. And so tell, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me on. I love absolutely love what you're doing with the wellness you know podcast and for you know what you're doing with women and looking at the holistic person I think that that's so important um and you know likewise I remember meeting you all those years ago and like seeing you as a successful doctor and like <laughs> followed your path and you've also made some courageous changes in your path so it's been such a joy to witness um but yeah going back to all those years ago 10 plus years ago I was that high-achieving corporate climber woman and very ambitious. I worked in commercial and corporate real estate. And in my last you know, full-time role, I was working at an American investment bank um, where the culture was very much what we all know, like the work hard, play hard, you're on all the time. Back then it was Blackberries, right? It wasn't the iPhone, yes. and, you know, always connected and tethered to, <laughs> to technology. And that was really the start of... Um, you know, I think the start of like really like technology starting to invade in like personal mm. space and personal time. Um, mm. But yeah, my journey was very much one of, I think what a lot of people can relate to of like, do the right thing, be a good student, get into a good school, land a quote unquote good job. And the ethos and the philosophy back then was, if you keep climbing up the ladder, then you're going to be happy because you're going to be successful and you're going to have financial success, which means you have choices and, you know, that mm. should equate to happiness. Mm. And, you know, 10 years ago, I found myself, I was in my late 20s then, I, I realized like this was not the path for me. I, you know, yes, I created amazing success and was given fantastic opportunities, got to travel. And there was this inner calling within me that said, but is this really it? Do you want to be doing this for the rest of your life? And, you know, I, I was, you know, I'd worked hard enough in my career and schooling to be like, well, I've invested money and time and energy into being this corporate persona, but mm. I've still got many years ahead of me to, you know, work and do something meaningful and this isn't it. So there was that real disconnect and rub between, mm. um, you know, what I should be doing and on paper I should have stayed in that job and that career but mm. I didn't feel was, you know, my heart wasn't in it and my body was telling me this. So I had, you know, horrendous migraines that would not go away. I had pains in my shoulder and neck, just like frozen tension that I, you know, couldn't get away from. And I wasn't looking after myself, you know, I was like, mm. you know, getting the quick, you know, fun hop from, you know, canteen yeah. downstairs <laughs> and like grabbing all the coffees to try and stay pumped and awake. And my body was telling me, like, stop, you know, you can't keep doing this. But I, you know, I tried to um, put that to one side. And so, yes, at that point that there was a, a point where I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And ultimately, 
I did walk away from that career and I'm now on this path of helping other women to figure out who are they really? Why are they here? And what is the the real work that they desire to do? Because my philosophy is that we're all here for a reason and we've all got these beautiful gifts within us and, you know, these heart callings to do something beyond just climb the ladder and so for me that's what gets me really juiced up and excited and and what I love doing with my clients and you actually mentioned um that I mean one of the things that you're passionate about especially when it comes to women is something called the perfect woman imperative yes so So, tell us a bit about that (laughs) yeah so I've been doing this work now for eight years so I left the corporate world actually was 10 years ago um just to like a few like 10 and a few months ago and So I've been doing this for eight years. I didn't pivot into coaching straight away because I didn't know that this was a viable path. But in working with all these different clients from, like I've had such the privilege of working with women from different countries, different backgrounds, different industries. So I've worked with lawyers and, you know, bankers and accountants, but also police women and teachers and, you know, stay-at-home moms, like the whole gamut. Mm. And what I started to see was, as women, we can think there's something wrong with us. I have, you know, uh, I can't figure this out. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. But actually what I started to see was this invisible thread, which I think affects all of us, which I call the perfect woman imperative, which Mm. says that we have to look perfect, be perfect, say just the right thing, not be too much, not be too little, you know, have the perfect hair, you know, have the perfect... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> husband or part or partner and like have this body and the the standards that we hold ourselves to are quite frankly ridiculous you open mm. any magazine and you can see the standards that you know we we hold for ourselves and it's just not sustainable and it's not attainable so the perfect woman par- imperative has like three core tenants which mm-hmm. are which i think we've metabolized as women And that's the patriarchy, which tells us we're not enough as we are. So we're always feeling deficient. Um, There's also disembodiment. That's another pillar where we live from the neck up, analyzing all the tabs are open in our minds and we're like (laughs) figuring things out. So we don't connect into our body and listen to its wisdom. And the third pillar of the perfect woman imperative is this productivity culture. Got to keep going. Got to keep on moving. And so with the perfect woman imperative, when I started to see the challenges women were facing, I could see they, they kind of fell into these three pillars of the perfect woman. And that was like a natural, that's a natural gateway to support women to realize that the reason that they're not happy is not because there's anything wrong with them. It's just, mm-hmm. we're born in a system. It's like being a fish in water. We don't even see it. It's just the, mm-hmm. the water that it's we're taking in. Us. Yeah. It's all around it's pervasive, us. It's isn't it? Exactly. So if we can unpick that, and the antidote, I say, is getting real, which is an acronym for reclaiming who you are, expressing that in the world, aligning back to your true nature, and living as that in the world. When you can start to follow that framework and do that work, which is the work I love to do with my clients, then you can start to realize, oh, I don't have to put these pressures on myself. I don't have to, you know, maybe Mm. I can change things a little. Maybe I can do things differently. And that's when I see that liberation happen for women. When I actually hear a lot of women talk about the stresses and their responsibilities um, and also the achievements that they want to uh, or, they're, or they're bearing, they often talk, often the, the word I hear a lot is I should, I should. So uh-huh. I think this is very, very key to how there's that sort of uh, disconnect between what we're really passionate about and what we value as to you know, what society has conditioned us to believe that we should be valuing. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times um, when I see women who are um, under stress or they, they're burnt out um, and they're having all these issues like yourself with a headache and I see a lot of women with hormone issues, they actually mm-hmm. sometimes think it's aging or it's just, you know, stress, but then they have no way of trying to identify where the source of that is actually coming from. And like you said, it could be from just this um, sort of 
disconnect um, that we have. So I really like mm. your method um, of coming to sort of that solution. But uh, mm. I think like before you actually, like you said before, you didn't quite launch into this career uh, straight away. You actually um, had uh, mentors or you were inspired. So tell us how like your, what was your journey in, in finding your direction? Because you didn't have someone like yourself at the time. <laughs> I think like, I'm not sure, but perhaps you did. No. <laughs> No. And I think, you know, the coaching world, I mean, the word coach, it's quite common now, but, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't such a, a common um, concept. Not many people understood it or really were willing to, to see a coach yes. because, again, I think in our culture, there's this narrative around, well, we should figure this out ourselves. You know, we should be independent and independent women, especially. So um, I, I did actually use a coach at various times in my, my career and in my life. Um, but it wasn't until, okay, backtrack. When I was in that corporate career, I was very unhappy and I was like, this is not where I want to be, but where the heck do I go? Like, I, I need to pivot into something. And I decided to kind of figure it out on my own. And I, you know, go literally Googled, how do you figure out what to do with your life? Like, <laughs> Give me some steps, you know, <laughs> literally. And, you know, all the advice is like, find your passion, go back to what you liked as a child and all these things. And I, I kind of took a little bit of that at face value and th there's deeper work that, you know, that's like entry level. There's, there's, there's deeper things to do with that information, which I didn't have mm. access to at the time, but I thought, okay, I want to start a skincare business. I, my background was in geography and economics and I was very interested in really as a child, it was more sustainability and the environment. Oh. And then as I got older, it was like, well, let's be practical. And it's, I grew up in Hong Kong. So it's tall, shiny buildings <laughs> and real estate. I could kind of see it. And I was like, all right, I'll follow that path. So I went back to um, a childhood dream of mine, which was, I loved the body shop when I was a 10 year old girl. Yeah. And I loved Anita Roddick, loved yeah. her business model because, you know, she was giving, um, the farmers a piece of the pie so they could flourish and they could thrive and I was like oh wouldn't it be cool to start a business like that 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 was like the philosophy and the ethos that I really connected to um and obviously the creativity of creating things and branding mm. like that was also fun um so I thought I wanted to do that so I did what we've been taught to do which is well you got to study if you want that then go in and study mm -hmm. and I did I did a cosmetic science diploma and I went to the UK and went into the lab and learned how to make all these different things and it, it basically was not my path I am not a chemistry major <laughs> I studied it for a level and I was horrendous at it <laughs> and yeah it just wasn't the path for me so I admitted okay I, this is not what I really want to do and I worked with a coach and this coach was more heart-centered. She um, had a very different approach to the career coaches I'd worked with in the past who had given me, you know, psychometric tests and all that, those things, which were helpful at the time. But at that moment, I needed, you know, a real kind of like soul and heart connection. And so this coach really supported me to figure out what really mattered. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I said, this thing that you're doing with me, how did you do that? Because it's really cool. And I'd love to learn more. So long story short, I've taken many coaching programs um, mm. and I started with the more linear head-based types of coaching, yep. um, but I've learned to follow my intuition and my own guidance, which is my philosophy and my coaching, which mm. is me as the coach, I do not have the answers for my clients. My mm. role yep. is to guide them back to their bodies and back to their wisdom. So in walking that path for myself, I was guided to really understand this mind-body-soul connection. So I learned different tools such as for the soul. I learned how to read the Akashic records, which is a bit woo-woo and out there. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for woo-woo. <laughs> I love the woo-woo. It's amazing. And it's helpful because this is the thing with, with who we are at soul level. I often say like a fish doesn't know it swims in water. A monkey doesn't know it climbs a tree. A cheetah doesn't know it's the fastest land animal on the planet. They just are. And we yeah. live in a world which says we all have to be the cheetah, run fast, yeah. go fast and be that pace. So, Some of us yeah. are meant to be in the water or climbing yeah. trees. So these soul-based mm -hmm. modalities, you know, astrology, different things, they can be a lovely mirror to help us see ourselves clearly and have a frame of reference to say, okay, this is me. Mm -hmm. And then the, the real work then comes into the mind and the body piece, which is 
looking at the operating system mm. of like, what do you believe to be true about yourself? So I've studied mm. um, rapid transformational therapy, which is a type of hypnotherapy. And I know you've had guests yeah. on about that, which is beautiful. Um, so just looking at, well, what's the, the subconscious mm. show that's, that's kind of running the, the actions mm. that we're taking. So I studied that. And then I also studied feminine embodiment, which is mm. all about coming into your body and actually creating that alignment within the nervous system and, you know, mm. liberating tension and moving forward from a place of flow. And mm. side note, I, I teach at the school where I trained in. So I, I teach other practitioners oh, yeah. in this modality as well. So credit to my teachers. So I learned the Akashic Records from Anna Sace. I learned mm. rapid transformational therapy from Marissa Pia and the feminine embodiment from Jenna Ward. And there mm. are other courses I've taken that I could pay tribute to, but I would say they're the core mentors that have helped me create my body of work and the philosophy I use with my clients. Wow, that's amazing. And mm. a lot of parallels with what you're talking about in terms of, um, you know, the monkey climbing the tree and sort of um, the fish in the water. And in, in many ways, also healthcare is very similar in that we mm. treat everyone the same. Um, because you come in with the same disease. But the re reality is we've discovered that our genes are all different. And the new science of epigenetics has shown us that even though we may have a particular uh, blueprint, we thrive better in a particular environment, we can still make choices around that um, mm -hmm. that can influence how we show up um, in terms of our physical being. But in your situation, how we show up in our relationships, our work, our careers, and and how we sort of um, find that uh, alignment and, and, and the way that, you know, we see it in, in healthcare is how do we align a particular treatment to the day-to-day -day lifestyle? And is, is, is that, does that person have certain strengths and um, do they need to work on the other aspects where they're not so strong? How do we facilitate and support that? That's kind of that personalization mm -hmm. that you have. So it's amazing that so many different um, types of mentors and, 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 and teachers, and you bring with you so much experience um, around coaching. So when you, when I want to go back a little bit and um, sort of understand, like, what's the process in terms of, like, who comes to you? Like, um, is it word of mouth? Um, do you do you go and do talks? Um, what's what's the experience like uh, for someone to you know first come in contact with you? It's a really great question. So typically, I have a blog. So I, I have a, a weekly blog that I publish, and I love writing and, and talking about these topics, which is a beautiful way to mm -hmm. um, for people to kind of resonate and see if they they, they align with the philosophy. Um, because like you said, um, it's, it's a personalized way of meeting a client and there are many different practitioners out there. Same <laughs> with like doctors, right? You could, you yes. could see if you've got a sore knee, you could see a physiotherapist or you could see an orthopedic surgeon or an acupuncturist. Like, you know, you can see many different yeah. people. So for me, the blogging is really helpful so people can see like, is the philosophy aligned? And mm. my mm. approach is really, I believe that we, you know, are meant to work with certain clients and who resonate with the philosophy. And if someone doesn't resonate, that's fine. And if they do, wonderful. Um, and I benefit so much from every client that I work with. I learn so much as well. And I, you know, it's such a privilege to witness them in their process because I, I get inspired by them too. Um, but yeah, so the blogging definitely supports me in in the clients coming my way um but yeah word of mouth very much so like if somebody's worked with me and they you know have a friend then they'll they'll mention it and a teaching assistant at the school and um yeah through there as well sometimes you know with the students you know they'll know people in their spheres and, and sometimes the students will come in through that way but um in the past I've also hosted workshops here in Hong Kong I often run live training webinars as well for people to to join in and you know, get a flavor of the experience because when I use feminine embodiment, it's, it's not one to read, like to understand in your mind, it's really something to experience. So, you know, yes. these things can mm -hmm. be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm. That's great. And um, so you also have an online assessment that you can take because that's about your um, archetype. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us like what, what's, what's part of the, if you can like share what kind of questions is, is part of that? Yeah. So um, the, the, the quiz that I have on my website is the soul archetypes quiz. And this is, I felt inspired to create it because mm -hmm. 
you know, when you're in that, I don't know who I am. What am I meant to do? Where am I meant to go? We can kind of get in our heads about, you know, the mind, the monkey mind can take over and say, you're no good at this. Who do you think you are? You're too old. You're too young. You know, yeah, we know that voice very well. (laughs) So sometimes it can be helpful just to have a bit of data, a bit of information to say, this is me. This is what I'm working with. And to begin that journey of self-inquiry. So the Soul Mm -hmm. Archetypes Quiz is really an assessment where it's more about not what it is that you do. It's the being side of who you are. Mm -hmm. So you you might have strengths. You might be really good at certain things. But what I'm interested in supporting women to remember is that being side of them. So it's that energy that you just emanate when you come into a room. It's, it's that part that people feel just connected with without you having to say anything. So the archetypes are really about your energy. And mm. I draw inspiration from the Akashic Records training that I, I did with Anna to create this. Um, and it really looks at like, what's the being side of you? So some archetypes, and you can take this free quiz on my website at mm-hmm. uh, siobhanbarnes.com forward slash soul archetype quiz with dashes in between. Um, you know, you might be a leader, you might be more of the healer archetype. And I'm guessing, particularly in this world, in this audience, I'm guessing most of the listeners will be the healer archetype. I find I tend to draw that archetype a lot as well. Um, but others might be, you know, a custodian or a creator, like there's all these beautiful energies. And again, the idea is that we work with our strengths, we work with what we've got. I'm a philosopher, my philosophy is really about Yes, we all have weaknesses and we've got things we need to improve, but we've created a society that's so focused on like that perfect report card of like A's or, you know, down the line. (laughs) Whereas maybe there's that a few things that you're really good at and that I just want to support women to come back into greater ease. And the greatest ease we can find is when we can surrender into who we really are. And so, yeah, my hope with the archetype quiz is just to give people a starting point to say, oh, yes, this is me. And so along with the quiz, you get a report and it's got some prompts to look at, like, what are your gifts? What are your shadows? How might you work with this going forward? So it's it's pretty juicy. It's really um, meaty yeah. and a, a really great place to start. So if anybody would like to take the quiz, they're more than welcome to, to hop on over and take that assessment. Yeah, I really find this fascinating because um, you're one of is um on 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 your website it's um finding your soul aligned career Mm -hmm. and um that's very uh, outside box to the kind of teaching perhaps that you and I actually grew up with with having sort of Asian parents (laughs) 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 who who are always about you know that report card (laughs) did you get all A's (laughs) were you that perfect student and if even if we did achieve above um, the average it was like well what did you do wrong in the one percent that you didn't get exactly (laughs) exactly instead of celebrating um, you know the fact that they had put in so much work and the success and it's not about having a big ego it's really about valuing strengths Mm-hmm. Um, which is a different lens to saying, you know, I'm better than everybody else, but it's like, what are, what are the strengths that I have? And, and I think when it comes to um, the kind of work that you and I do to do with um, having a perspective of who we are, because we're often, mm-hmm. society tells us who we should be, and this is only one way, but the reality is, is that, we are all unique and if we don't align with that uniqueness and we don't know who we are individually there's there's that disconnect and I see that as an underlying pervasive um, condition um, when I mm-hmm. see people with chronic illnesses they mm. um, may not be motivated to make a change because they don't really know who they are they they don't know why they why something is important or perhaps what society tells them is important me as a doctor saying your blood pressure is really high or you're pre-diabetic, you're pre-diabetic you, you need to change your diet but what does that actually mean to the person like for me like for doctors often it's just a number on, on a report yeah. card but what does that actually mean for the person what's the impact of of that knowledge on that person and I think coaching brings that into perspective because when you say 
if someone walks into a room, you you sense their energy. Like certain、mm-hmm. people come in, and even before they say something, just you you can you can see that they're probably having a bad morning. <laughs> I've just walked out of a spa. You know, those energies are really quite different. And yeah, and and practicing that particular skill when we are with our clients or or patients,、um, I think it's actually really important because our human connection then. Helps us to understand、um, the particular context and story of of what this person's struggle is. Yeah, yeah, and I think your example—you're really speaking to this pervasive culture of this disembodiment, right? It's like we don't want to feel like so. You might the numbers might be saying you're pre-diabetic, you need to change your diet and do all these things, but we don't want to meet that discomfort, and we don't want to have to do all the things that we need to do to be healthy, and so we can. Avoid and numb out, and just say, "Yeah, I'll take my chances. Thank you very much." And then, you know, I'm sure they come back to your office, and it's like, "Okay, it's here now." <laughs> you know, but that's the that's the culture that we we live in. And I think, you know, if people are grappling with that,、uh, you know, my message is that that's really human and that's really normal. We we don't. I think why a lot of us struggle, and I know for me, the people that come to me, they're not like in. Sometimes、yeah. they can have physical pain, but I think it's more like emotional and spiritual pain.、Yes. But but the reason why they get into it is because they don't want to feel it, and just、mm. feeling it might it feels too much. It feels like it's going to take them out.、Um, but at the end of the day, like when we can start to just honor our humanness and know that yeah, pain and discomfort is not fun to meet, but if we are able to like slowly meet that. Then you can you can access that flow, you can access that energy, and you can actually access that clarity about well what what matters to me and like why do I want to do it? Because going back to this case of somebody who might be pre diabetic, like you know, do they have that will to to be、yeah. healthy? If they don't have that motivation, then you as the doctor are going to be doing all the work, and they're just going to be like going through the motions because someone told them so, which、yeah. is quite a disempowering place to be. So yes. Um, yeah, it's very dependent. Yeah, it's、mm. a very dependent place, and I think、um, one of the things is that we want to empower people, because、mm. I think being empowered means that you're able to be more active and involved in in your own life.、Yeah. And so, you know, I think like going back to what you do and the kind of people that you see, and they they're coming to you and wondering, you know, is this the right career for me? Shall I make a change? I mean, what are some examples <laughs>、um, of the struggles that you 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 come across? It's a great question. So people normally come to me because they're burnt out, they're at their wits' end. They've kind of let it get to that point, which I so resonate with. Like I let myself get to that point and ended up having to, you know, actually quit. It was that bad. I didn't want to deal.、Um, so many women are burnt out, so they come with that. Other women are. It actually makes me really sad. They've, they just feel a little bit numb. And disconnected,、mm. so it's just that robot、mm. going through the motions, you know, doing all the things at work, getting the kids off to school, and just ticking off the to-do list every day. But just feeling like it's that hamster wheel and that Groundhog Day every day.、Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've heard that voice that's like, "Come on, let's do more." Or like, "This isn't it," but they squash it down. And some、mm. for some women, it's been you know months, maybe. For some of them, it's been years. But I've spoken to women where they're like, "My whole career, I just thought that's what I had to do." And so I have the、yeah. privilege of like working with women at different stages. I would say most are probably like mid thirties to late forties, like that stage of、mm. you know、mm-hmm. establishing yourself and like really you know building momentum in your career、mm. and you know for some you know family. Um, but some have been at the age of like fifty or sixty, and they're retiring, and they're kind of at that second life and saying, "Well, I want to live for me now," <laughs> you know, like not just、yeah. for everybody else. So,、mm. the work that I do in full transparency, yes, I focus career, yes, I focus on work, but really, the real heart of the work is that comes secondary to actually looking at the person and the woman that's in front of me, because、mm-hmm. you, as a vessel, you are the central. Person who is bringing the soul gifts, following that idea, implementing that vision, and I also want to say at this point that for some of us, we don't have to live out our purpose through our careers. That's,、mm. I think, that's a common misconception. I don't believe your purpose is your work. 
for some people, yes, that's the vehicle through which you express it. And I think for you and I, that that is true. Um, but for some listening, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I actually think we've got, you know, a life purpose and a soul purpose. Our life purpose is to live this paradox of, you know, who we are is divine and whole and perfect. Like, I, I still, my mind boggles at how we are created and how that <laughs> unfolds. I've had kids myself, so I'm like, how did my body do this? I just, it blows <laughs> my mind. So it's honoring that that's the truth. Like we're all divine and whole and perfect, but we're also here to learn and grow and evolve. So, you know, those kind of seemingly go against each other. So that's our life purpose to live that paradox and to just enjoy the sweet pleasures of life. So, you know, savoring the crisp air on your face when it is winter in Hong Kong and it's not humid, you know, or, you know, eating a bite of beautiful chocolate or, you know, like we did recently, like trying a different type of tea for the first time, you know, just yeah. really being in that pleasure. So that's, that's part of our life purpose. Our sole purpose is to express our gifts, our energy in the world. And that's why I lead with the soul archetype quiz because it's not about what you do, it's who you be. So mm -hmm. th these are the two aspects. When I do this work with my clients, yes, they want to figure out the career and have the next step, but we look at this first because that's when the clarity drops and that's when that aligned path shows up for that woman. Mm. And I think that's a great um, path and a journey because I think often it's very similar to um, kind of what we try and do in functional medicine, which is mm. to look for the root cause. Yes. So even if a person comes in with the same condition, like I go back to diabetes or high, high blood pressure, mm. but the, the results or the reasons could be different. One person could be basically just uh, time or eating the wrong foods, but the other person could be super stressed all the time and not sleeping enough because of the stress. Mm. And so the, the reasons and, and the triggers and, and the predispositions um, are, are quite different for each person. So the story is very different, even though they present in the same way. And for you, it could be like a struggle with what they should do with their career. Um, but then you're kind of delving into other aspects um, of their life and, and, and understanding and helping them discover um, and what are their passions. I think that's a really valuable tool. And I think, um, you know, even though in this day we live in so much technology and society that's hijacking us from, <laughs> from paying attention to ourselves and, you know, yeah. that, 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 that sort of sense of experience um, mm. of just being because often we're either worried to do next uh, or, or we're rehashing or overthinking about what happened before. Um, mm -hmm. And all those things are actually triggers for our fight and flight uh, system. So yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, that's, created this. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you do, Lorena, and I'm sure Vanessa as well. Like you really go back to really supporting people to go back to well, what is it for them? Because we do live in a world which has got all this information on the internet. We can Google and be like, well, what do I do if I'm this and that? But at the end of the day, like, like you say, everybody is very different. And so what you do to actually go back to the root cause for an individual is so valuable. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really gives them the power to, to look at how they can change it from that root level and then be empowered to change. And I would say like, it, it's more about just, you know, fixing a health problem. What we're really talking about, I think in the similarities in our work is like, how can we support people to thrive and to actually live fully, mm -hmm. which includes having the physical health and vitality to go and do their work, to be fully present in relationships, to, you know, really flourish in, in all the different areas that is life. Um, so I think what the work that you do is really valuable and so, so important. We talk a little bit about like um, the different kinds of um, ways of managing that. And one of them is to manage your energy rather than your mm. time. And you mentioned this earlier before that we are often like, um, celebrating people who are workaholics who do more and more and more and more um, yeah. but also being a workaholic is another form of numbing or addiction because you're just going around ticking boxes and not really allowing yourself to feel any of this exactly um, and so I see a lot of women present that way where they're taking care of you know they could be very successful taking care of like hundreds of people you know in banking and everybody's sort of you know looking for them for help and they're giving 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 but then mm -hmm. For their own lives, um, they've, they've got families or they've got people who are sick that they've got to take care of. And then in between, they don't actually have time to just stop and just think about 
what are they doing to their own bodies? And, you know, a, a lot of the chronic illnesses do have a sort of underlying um, sort of trauma or underlying sense of like disconnect um, between who they are on the outside versus how they're feeling and who they really are on the inside. So mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, you, you work with women one-on-one and also, mm-hmm. um, also do groups and, and workshops. And I'm really interested in trying to like understand that because some, some of these things can be very personal. So how do you sort of bring a group of women together? Um, is it a, a new skill that they learn or what, what, what happens in these group sessions? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, one of the foundational ways that I like to support women to kind of come slow down and kind of start to unpack this busy for the sake of busy kind of culture that we live in is really these embodiment practices, which can be really challenging because, like you say, society sees this as like the gold star and this is what we equate to success and it's kind of celebrated, which is a little bit warpy because our body's not really designed to (laughs) to operate in this way. Like um, sidebar, like I remember when I started studying feminine embodiment, it was the first time I actually properly learned about, you know, my cycle as a woman. And I was like, ah, now I understand why, you know, I feel more tired during certain times. Oh, now I understand why I get my intuitive insights more during, you know, the winter phase but nobody freaking talks about it. And I'm like, where is that education? And it, 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 that's a sidebar. It makes me really angry and mad because I also have a daughter. So I'm like, oh my gosh, she's, where is she going to get this information? It's just not mainstream. So some of this work with the groups, yes, it is personal, but it's also universal. I believe we, we all do. Our society does live from the neck up. We are disembodied. We, um, Albert Einstein famously said, and I'm not going to quote him exactly, but We've created a society that puts the rational mind on a pedestal and then the intuitive mind second when it's the intuitive mind, which is the sacred gift and the rational mind should be its servant. So kind of what I do in the group work is support women back into their bodies so they can feel the discomfort. And it's it's messy work. It's it's uncomfortable, always tears, but that's fine. Like that's that's the process. And what I find time and time again is that for women in a group, there's something very cathartic in that because you realize when you're in that setting, I'm not alone. I'm Mm. not the only one who's dealing with this. And I think that's the power of of group work. And we underestimate it because Mm. sometimes we can be guarded and reserved and it's like very private. And some things are, I'll never ask somebody to share more than they're willing to. (laughs) sometimes the experience the guided experience is just to support them to come into their own bodies and they'll be going through their process everyone's eyes are closed so or they can switch their cameras no judgment. Off. <laughs> so you know they can be in their process but you know I think I think we spoke about this like we are social creatures right we mm. we, we regulate our nervous systems regulate when we're with one another granted yeah. on the computer it's like a little bit different but you know we do what we can during these COVID times and you know, being in community and being in a process together can be very, very powerful um, work. So how it works practically is normally there is a framework and a teaching kind of contextualize what we're doing. And then I guide people into their bodies, which can seem weird at the beginning. It takes a bit of time because we're talking about body. It's a, it's a safe, slow, gentle process because everyone has different traumas and everyone has different levels of comfort with being in the body. For some people, it's not a safe place to be for whatever reason. So just honoring someone's pace, which is, again, I think countercultural because we want quick, we want fast, we want to get things going, but you just can't do that with the body. So yeah, it's true. And um, I think I I can sort of, I really value the groups and I also Mm. value sort of the, um, sort of non-mainstream kind of topics around sort of women's cycles because Mm. um, many, many years ago, um, I actually did a talk uh, for a a group of corporate women about the menstrual cycle and they were actually quite interested in affected their fitness and and the physical body. And there's sort of new research coming along because a lot of research, unfortunately, around 
hormones or, or health are actually not done on women because women's cycles are too much of a confounding factor to the outcomes of <laughs> the studies around health and fitness are, are done around men. So I won't go into that because that's like another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, what I did find in the little amount of information um, that was coming out was that geology of the cycles um, that we go through and different hormones actually have different influences on our appetites, on our emotions, on our cognitive ability, uh, on us. And even because of the metabolism of how certain other hormones um, that break down food into energy works, it's actually very, very highly correlated with the different hormones that fluctuate within the menstrual cycle. And it, and I want to because our society is built upon a very structured you know, nine-to-five schedule, um, Monday to Friday, 365 days a week. But um, if you look at uh, our physiology, especially like half the population of the world, actually <laughs> function on, on a different cycle, where some days we actually want to eat more, some days we just want to slow down because our bodies are actually telling us to do that. And yet we try to be that sort of consistent, same pattern, routine, energy type of person which is not really very realistic and if I look at if I, if I take the example of um, athletes who are women mm-hmm. and are training their best um, lifts you know I'm talking about sort of resistance weightlifting athletes their best lifts are often as they are ovulating mm-hmm. um, but if we look at how athletes to look at their cycles and training in that particular phase and eating in that particular phase and I mean, they're very early adopters of how to optimize um, performance, you know, and, you know, I I think that we are slowly in some circles um, uh, starting to look into uh, how that affects, um, you know, the types of things um, that we do. And I I actually, you know, for myself, once when I after I gave that talk and even before I gave that talk, I was actually really looking into, you know, how did my own and mm. tracking sort of the moods and everyone's different there's so many variabilities like for some women um i think the 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 best time for them to start a new diet or or or, <laughs> or to set a new goal is actually the first part of the menstrual cycle and that's mm. because that's also the time when they're much more intuitive and they're much more discerning um because they don't have those fluctuations in their hormones and so i sometimes actually go back to that and I recognize when I'm tired, like if I'm doing the same lift. So for me, fitness is a, is kind of like a barometer. So I'm yeah. doing the same lift, a different cycle, and I realize, oh, why am I so tired this time? I actually recognize that and allow myself to be more forgiving and more compassionate and just yeah. say, look, I don't have to be the same all the time. I'm not a robot. I'm a human being. And I exactly. think like learning, learning that, I think like, um, you know, for, for, for your clients, um, sometimes not everybody is into fitness or working out or have that sort of natural um, ability, but then it, it can be taught. I mean, we, we can, you know, learn how to, uh, you know, the kind of first thing that I learned about um, managing stress was getting back in touch with my body, recognizing that I was actually stressed mm-hmm. <laughs> and not taking a breath. So... Yeah, so I think like yeah, techniques, um, how, how you sort of have a structure, a process um, of getting people into their, their own bodies. I think that's a, a great tool because I think to be able to understand uniqueness, we have to feel that we're in a safe space. Um, mm-hmm. And groups can be that safe space. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of... Um, Oh, I don't want to share things that, you know, I, I feel I don't want to share things, you know, or, you know, this is my own uh, story. Everyone shares what they're comfortable with. And when they realize and recognize that everybody has the same needs, um, mm-hmm. I think that comes across naturally without anyone being forced to share anything that they're not comfortable with. So, yeah. And it know, fosters like, connection, doesn't yeah. it? Like when you can actually bond and realize oh you feel that too oh okay like we can connect over that and it's you know Brene Brown is a famous researcher I'm sure many um, of your audience are probably familiar with her and she talks about shame and you know courage and vulnerability and the thing is we hold these parts of ourselves as as shame we're like 
oh, I can't lift as much. I should be able to like keep hitting my targets yeah. <laughs> or same as at work. Oh, I'm not performing this month. Like this, this client deal didn't go through or whatever. Like we can put so much pressure on ourselves and there can be so we, we carry that as shame in our bodies when, and particularly when we get in a group setting and we, we feel comfortable to share. And I think that's a bit of a skill and an art to create that space mm-hmm. is then, you know, you, you find that, oh, you're not alone. You can foster that connection and slowly, but surely like that, that armor and that numbness can start to melt away and you can come back to the fiery, like anger that you're feeling or like the, the uncomfortable emotions that again, society has taught us that we're not allowed to feel or shouldn't express yeah. And then we can come back to our tender truth. And, you know, going back to the menstrual cycle, isn't it amazing how we put pressure on ourselves to perform at a level that actually goes against our own biology and we kind of make (laughs) ourselves wrong for that? It's like I think we sometimes have to question, like, is this really serving us? And who is this serving? Because yes. Obviously, it serves the employers that we're working at this crazy pace and like keep on pumping out, you know, all these billable hours. And mm. it's like, well, well, what's the cost of that? And, you mm. know, looking at our, our careers, not just as like the sole focus of what we do, but also like the long game. Like if, if you really care about what you do, you know, taking this athlete yeah. example you've got to take good care of yourself. You've got to, you know, give yourself the sleep, give yourself the nutrition, give yourself the grace to, you know, maybe not live, you know, do so much at a certain time. And the, the, the thing that I'll say is that on this, because I want to ask how this was received by the corporate women in a moment. But one thing I hear when I mention this menstrual cycle work is that people throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, well, (laughs) I can't just, you know, take a week off when, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on my, on my cycle. And I'm like, yeah, no, you probably can't. Not, not, not many people can, but there are small little things that you can do just to give yourself a little bit more grace. And maybe you look at your schedule and do more of your social stuff when you're ovulating and, you know, when you're at the start mm-hmm. of your cycle, you just say no to appointments because you know that you're going to be feeling like you need more rest. So it doesn't all have to go out, you know, the window. We can just start to be aware and start to track and start to get to know our bodies in that way as well. And I think that's why modern technology can be a really great ally. Um, because mm. we have ability to now treat track our resting heart rate our sleep quality and Mm. I think particularly for women um, knowing this information early on and writing down like putting tags on as to how we're feeling and what we're doing at the time and then looking back and seeing Mm. how that's affecting how we show up because at at the end of the day people still want to function they they want to function they want to help other people they want to you know get that job or that promotion I think that's in that's important but then at the same time Mm. it's like how do we facilitate that so that you do get it in a way that doesn't destroy your body um because we we want to be doing this long term Mm because we are living longer but the problem is we're living longer with chronic illness and we're not functioning that long but that's the question is how do we increase people's health spans Mm. and i think one of the takeaways um from the 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 group was basically that I think everybody recognized that they're going through especially women that we go through stages of life and it's very obvious for us because we have changes in our menstrual cycle and you know I really encourage women in a lot of my podcasts and people I've interviewed with to really pay attention to that part of our body um, to sort of recognize and figure out you know, what that means for them, how they, how do they feel about it? Because for my own personal story, I really sort of ignored um, those symptoms for a very, very long time until I, you know, crashed and basically mm-hmm. had to, like, go back and look at, you know, what can I do um, to, to kind of revert to, to um, um, put my own health condition into remission. Mm. So... Yeah, so that that was definitely um, something which even in medical school we weren't taught and I had to learn that the difficult way. And so my goal is to help other women understand, firstly, the science, what, what, the, what the new science is showing and yeah. with hope. And, and that's actually early recognition, talking about it, asking questions, um, 
and being open to a different way of working because yes we can't all take a week off and that's not what I'm saying but yeah I'm saying we can recognize oh that's a time when I'm not going to have as much energy so maybe I go back and I deal with the things that I'm familiar with tidy those things up rather mm-hmm. than start new projects um, because I'm not so good at those times and I think when we start to have that trust that, um, you know, we're here for a purpose. And, and you mentioned this early on, you know, the universe is going to present us with the opportunities if we are listening to it and ourselves, Mm -hmm. then it opens up. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, this life is about learning. It's about learning um, and experiencing it. So I really find that the way you approach um, helping women um, very, very much aligned with, you know, my philosophy (laughs) is helping women with their health. (laughs) Yeah. Well, which um, it's looking at the person, right? It does. It's like bringing, look like bringing it back to the person that's in front of you. And I think, you know, we both operate within, you know, the the system as it currently stands, like you've got the medical system as it currently stands, I've got the coaching world as it kind of currently stands Mm -hmm. in this sort of therapeutic world. And it's, you know, the, the guiding philosophy is there's a problem, diagnose it, fix it according to a norm or a standard, which allows, you know, the quick, quick fix, move Mm -hmm. on, help as many people. And, you know, that works for some, but for many, it doesn't. And so Mm -hmm. this journey of, you know, what you're helping your clients do and what I support my clients with is really about coming back to understand that we have our own self-agency within our bodies and, like, we have the ability to um, make empowered decisions as well because I think that's the thing. Once we have this information, once we have this knowledge, it's it's building trust in mm. our decision-making in terms of, like, well, what what is the course of action we want to take, whether that be, you know, uh, a, a process for, for recovering from something or whether that be, you know, pursuing a career path so yeah I love the work that you do and it's cool to see like the synergies even though it's like a different field it really you know at the end of the day we've got physical health mental emotional energetic spiritual so they all go hand in hand and I think um the world is changing um Mm. particularly because of the environment right now everyone's kind of everything is kind of accelerated and Mm. I think a lot of the corporate companies these days have a sustainability and health and well-being um, initiative, which um, is important for them to fulfill if they want to get more funding or investments. Mm. And so I think employee and workplace well-being is becoming a very hot topic. So, yeah. you know, the question is who is responsible, you know, and there's often two sides to it, mm. you know, is it you know, partly the employer and the employee themselves? Um, what kind of programs are we offering? So I think we're slowly moving away from that culture of, you know, you've just got to work hard and be productive. Yes, that's true. But mm. we also potentially want a course that's going to stay with us for a long time because yeah. to develop a skill in a particular area and to be highly specialized takes years. And you don't exactly. want to lose that particular person just because they're not aligned with what they want to do. Um, spiritually and physically and and emotionally so you want to keep these people in a career path that really is where where they're thriving um yeah you know very much so from that level so yeah so I think it's um you know I think although we come from like different (laughs) aspects and trying to solve different problems um the the skill set is quite overlapping so I want to ask you, like, in terms of um, having the skills to being a coach, um, what do you think is, is, is what are the key skills? For being a coach? For being a great coach. Oh, it's a great question. <laughs> I, for me, I think, you know, as always, it's going to be about aligning to an individual's unique skill set because, you know, I've got the privilege of being a teacher at the coaching school. So I get to work with, you know, aspiring coaches and other coaches who are bringing this into their work. And for me, when I see a coach who's working to their natural strengths, Mm. that's what makes them really excellent because they're not trying to be something that they're not, that authenticity is there. And for me, you know, coaching is about asking powerful questions and, and guiding a client. There's definitely an expertise in that. But again, it's also the embodied resonance and the energy that you're holding. 
um, mm. for your clients that I think is kind of a bit harder to put language to or to um, finesse. That being said, I think, you know, general qualities that make someone a good coach are, you know, good listening skills and allowing space to really hear what mm. a client is saying. Um, sincerity. So really showing up sincerely, not mm. trying to be more perfect, you know, as a coach, I think sometimes we think we have to have all the answers figured out. We have to be perfect, which is perfectly human, which means we're perfectly flawed and we're dealing with our own <laughs> stuff. So just being sincere, I think is really helpful. Um, openness, just creating that space mm. of openness so that the vulnerability can come through. Um, and yeah, kindness and compassion, you know, really just coming from a really non-judgmental space and allowing mm. somebody to share their shame and to share their vulnerability. I think that makes for a really good coach because mm -hmm. the thing with coaching that I think really is so valuable is that it's really just a space to be heard and to for the client to be heard and to not be judged and to have the space to ruminate on their way through it because mm -hmm. you ask a friend a friend might be really helpful but they're going to give you their advice from their perspective and you know based on what they think is success which might not be aligned to you parents yeah. same thing like they've got certain expectations partners mm -hmm. like that's a whole other story like love them <laughs> but you know actually getting yeah. support can, can sometimes be a challenge you know because their role is partner not necessarily as coach so mm. I think these qualities um, are really helpful if you as a coach. Um, but I always say like lean into where you're really good. So, you know, some coaches I know are very direct and they like go straight and see, call out what they see that mm -hmm. works for some people. I, I'm not a confrontational coach. I just hold space for a client for them to meet that mm -hmm. vulnerable edge. So for me, these are the qualities I think are valuable. Um, but for anybody listening, who's an aspiring coach or, you know, wants to go into coaching, I would say just lean into your natural strengths and just remember, mm. you know, your na your natural qualities are are beautiful and they're so valued. And I, re and I remember reading somewhere that um, actually coaching is a modeling profession because mm. a lot of the skills that you bring to your clients, skills that you practice yourself. Because oh, absolutely. I think this is really important for health professionals, anybody who is in, in an industry where they're helping people, is that sometimes um, we, we as people who want to help want to take on board the problem. But actually what we sometimes fail to realize is that the answers are actually within that particular person already. And we just mm -hmm. need to help draw that out, create that safe space with compassion, non-judgment, um, mm. And being there to actively listen to understand rather than given, I think actually brings a lot more um, enriching solutions uh, and powerful creative solutions to a problem. And sometimes it may not solve the problem, but the person discovered that it's not a problem anymore <laughs> mm -hmm. because they've come to a, of a, a different direction. And I, and I think um, this is really powerful for anyone who is in a coaching profession um mm. it's it's not that we're all experts and we know everything um that puts a lot of pressure but then we're also um, able to coach people by facilitating their own work and encouraging them to do their own work because um, mm -hmm. i remember learning that um the solutions that we come up with are often not from other people or the types of behaviors or the behavior change actually doesn't always often come with um, somebody else telling us what to do. It, it comes with why we want to do something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So extremely. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a really great pearl um, mm. that I learned is I could give all the facts, but how and why somebody would make that change actually has to come from themselves. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I thought that was very powerful um, advice <laughs> or, or teaching. Mm -hmm. you're, you're exhausted at the end of it. You're probably doing too much work. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and we haven't yeah. been able to facilitate that process for the other person. 
Yeah, and it comes from a genuinely kind place, right? I think in this, in yeah. this, um, you know, this world that you're in and that I'm in, it is the archetype of the healer and the one that wants to help. And sometimes, you know, that can the shadow side of that is the codependence, right? Of like feeling mm-hmm. valued because someone needs us, yeah. and that's not empowering for for either party. And so, you know, you bring up such a great point here, Lorena, is that you know, at the end of the day, the client has to feel that you know impetus and be connected to why they want to change, and that that change doesn't come really from logic, you know, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> and the science, like it, it really comes from how we feel, which is why I think this embodiment work and coming to the body is really powerful. And I've seen uh-huh. to be the real game changer with the transformation I see my clients be able to step into. And you're so right. It's like, we have to walk this path as the practitioner. So for me, like if a client is unraveling and they're meeting their shame and their guilt, I now in the past, I might've want to jump in or like say, it's okay. Now Mm. it's like, there's a boundary there to say, look, the frame that I have with coaching and my client is that my client is powerful. There's Mm. a divine intelligence within them that wants to fully actualize and fully express. And this unraveling is just part of the process. And the only way I can hold that for that client is if I've kind of done that for myself and like felt the ickiness and the horrendousness and that I want to give up and then seeing, oh, I didn't die. It was okay. (laughs) Okay. I can hold this for my client. So that's what I mean when I said the embodied resonance piece, Mm. that really comes from what you're saying about that modeling and like having journeyed Mm. yourself there. So it's, it's a big piece for sure. Because I think a lot of us tend to try to hold this, you know, like the perfect woman uh, appearance where we exactly. don't cry, we don't feel pain, mm-hmm. and, and we have it all together. We have all the answers all the time. But the reality is like we're emotional human beings <laughs> and we actually make a lot of decisions based on emotions. And that's why behavior is so difficult to change, even though we know the facts, it's hard to mm-hmm. change because we make emotional decisions all the time. Yeah. So if we don't allow those emotions to surface and recognize that they are there and they exist with the happiness, the sadness, the joy, the, the depression. I think it's important to recognize that there are a range of emotions and neither of them are good or bad. They're just an expression of a, a need or a fulfilled um, need or where the need mm-hmm. is fulfilled and a need is not fulfilled. And so yeah. I think it's important to recognize that and to be and allow people to express that because if we don't allow people to express those emotions because we're uncomfortable with it, then we're never going to be able to discover, oh, actually this person was sad about this. So where is the unmet need there? And then, you know, take them the next step to, to discover what that is without judging them for expressing something like crying, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's really important because I, I brought this up with, um, some uh, final year medical students because I'm part of the medical humanities tutorial and we talk about their experiences in hospitals and how mm. like a lot of people, uh, patients can be very angry. They can be very sad because they're in situations where the family member might be hurt or, you mm. know, someone's diagnosed with cancer or, you know, they have a disability and they, they just ha- can't function. So they're in situations where, you know, human connection is observed and often it can be disregarded and mm. it just becomes this emotionless diagnostic treatment procedure. But we fail to recognize who the person is. And we don't allow ourselves as practitioners to, to feel that either. And I think it's important that we, we recognize those emotions in ourselves. So, you know, for, for students and I, I hope health professionals that for each other, mm. we can create a safe space where mentors are able to be there and be okay with someone expressing a negative emotion and Mm -hmm. just say, I'm here with you. You know, I recognize this is difficult Um, and not just say, oh, you know, brush it under the carpet. Everything's okay. Oh, you'll get over it. It's it's not about that. It's about just being there. And, and, and if, if it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. That's, that's just (laughs) how, how we are as humans. And, um, so that's what the, the, the that's what enriches the whole experience of the connection, mm. and I think that's so much more valuable than any kind of advice. And even um, studies show that empathic doctors for patients who are diabetic, the diabetic patients have better outcomes because their doctors were just more empathetic. 
Wow. So, that says so, a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It does say a lot. And, and I keep reminding myself every day. And, you know, um, and this is the reason I get professionals to recognize what they need. And I think that's important because we're, you know, I'm, I'm very, sometimes very sad to hear that sometimes they don't even know what actually gives them, makes them feel relaxed. What's, what's their passion? And so I feel really sad that, you know, even in our own healthcare industry, that um, we, we don't have that teaching to take care of ourselves. So, you know, I hope that changes and I'm hopeful that it will. And I think yeah. people like yourself um, are there to hold their space. Yeah, it's essential because as healthcare practitioners, you're holding so much for your patients, right? Like you are there, you're kind of holding the dual role of like, practitioner and expert but also the human being side because I can imagine like having to deliver you know a horrible diagnosis to someone can be really heartbreaking as a human you're like well I don't want you to go through that and I think it, it seems you know from where I'm sitting kind of insane that there wouldn't be support for healthcare practitioners to have an outlet to to express that because that that gets stored in the body is frozen tension and you know it's, it's a lot to hold for one person on it their is. own yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm. thank you so much for your time today Siobhan um, I'm really grateful about shifting your career the process that you went through in your own personal journey and how you're helping other women to do the same as well um, so I wanted to ask like how can we find you how can our find you to sort of help them navigate some of the difficulties that they might be in uh, what's the best way to Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Firstly, I've so enjoyed like a really meaningful and rich conversation. This really gets me excited. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, coming over to my website is probably the best place to start, which is SiobhanBarnes.com. But I think we'll spell that out in the show notes because my no, name no is problem. quite, uh, it's a tricky name to, yes, quite differently. Um, and yeah, like to, if you take the soul archetype quiz, that's probably the best place to start, to start this personal inquiry. And if you do sign up for the, the quiz, then you'll be on the, the newsletter list. So you'll, each week you'll receive a tip, a resource or something to support you with how you can align back to your path and your purpose. Um, I'm also over on Instagram and you can DM me there if you want to connect on a more personal level. And I'm over there at I am Siobhan Barnes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Oh, total pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lorena. You can find us at anantawellbeing.com and follow us at anantawellbeing on Facebook and Instagram. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review to help other like-minded people find us. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition. This podcast and its producers disclaim any responsibility for adverse effects that result from the use of this information. Opinions of guests are their own and are not endorsed by this podcast. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions. We do not make any representation or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Both producers and guests may have direct or indirect interest in the products and services mentioned. If you think you have a medical condition, please consult a licensed physician.